0: Hey GODA members, welcome back to another episode of Goda TV. Can you believe that we're now less than two months away from this year's GATA Annual Convention in Hawaii? I can't wait to see everybody there. Today's annual convention update is brought to you by Air Products. Air Products touches the lives of consumers around the globe in positive ways every day. Focused on serving energy, environment, and emerging markets, Air Products provides essential industrial gases, related equipment, and applications expertise to customers in dozens of industries. Be sure to check out the Air Products booth during this year's Contact Booth program on Monday, October 2nd. GATA's annual convention registration has now surpassed 1,000 registrants, the most in the last 24 years. Because of that surge in registrations, the Grand Wailea is now sold out. GATA had secured rooms at two other hotels in the area, but those have both also sold out. New registrants are asked to secure their own hotel accommodations before registering for the event. To view a list of the hotels in the area, check the description below. This convention has so much to offer. With the most registrants in a quarter century, this will provide unparalleled networking opportunities, so make sure that you're logging into the convention website and checking out the list of contact booths and registrants to have the best game plan before the event. This convention will also offer amazing educational opportunities. Here to talk about his presentation at the annual convention is Galen Emmanuel.
1: What's up friends, Galen Emanuel here. I am so excited to be joining you for the 2023 annual convention for God in Hawaii in October. My keynote is going to be like nothing you have ever experienced. You're gonna be super engaged, laughing your faces off, and come away with a lot of really profound takeaways that will change the way that you think about how you show up as a leader, impact your teams, like operate and impact and influence other people, as well as the way that you think about and approach driving culture inside your organization and teams, it's going to be phenomenal. I cannot wait, uh, I will see you there
0: and finally it wouldn't be a trip to hawaii without some hawaiian culture the dress code for the entire event is business resort casual so leave those jackets in the closet and for the president's farewell gala we want you to dress to impress hawaiian style the best dressed guests will win a prize i'm getting excited just thinking about it we can't wait to see you all in person in less than two months we've got a great show lined up for you today so stick around right after a word from today's presenting sponsor weld Put Weldcoa's manufacturing expertise to work for you. weltcoa has been creating solutions and manufacturing gas-related products for over 50 years. Its team takes the time to understand your fill plant environment and design a solution that meets and often exceeds the objectives. When you choose Weldcoa, you can rest assured that you'll be investing in the most dependable, made-in-the-USA products on the market today. We're here to support you, Gauda. Get more with weltcoa today. We're lucky enough to be joined first today by Robin Usula. Robin is the training manager for Roberts Oxygen. Robin, we appreciate you being with us today. You gave a presentation during the Seven Springs Regional Meeting on maximizing employee potential. For those members who weren't able to attend, can you give us an overview of what you talked about?
2: Sure, Steve. The presentation was all about designing your training programs to develop capabilities that maximize the potential of your individual contributors and help your future leaders. So things like thinking critically, making decisions, solving problems, evaluating impact, learning from mistakes, generating new ideas. Often employee training focuses on recall of things like policies, procedures, part numbers, information that is needed frequently on the job. With a hands-on manager training might also include practicing those procedures on the job. And all of these things are necessary, but they're just the fundamentals. And what sets apart the good employees from the great employees is their ability to bring these higher level capabilities to the job as well. So we talked about the idea of focusing less on what employees need to know and more on what they should be able to do with that information. And then how to determine what those learning objectives should be for different roles and then how to write them. Another key point from the presentation was that it takes a different type of training to develop different types of skills. So I introduced a framework called Bloom's Taxonomy, which breaks up learning into six different levels and it helps you align your learning objectives to the most appropriate training methods for developing those skills and ultimately closing any capability gaps. So it's not about going level by level to develop the skills, but rather choosing the right approach for training each skill.
0: You just mentioned Bloom's Taxonomy. You had a QR code during the presentation that explained what that was. How do you use Bloom's Taxonomy in your role as training manager, and how do you feel it's helped develop a more capable and competent workforce?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I wanted this handout to be a really helpful tool for designing or planning appropriate training activities for the skills you want to develop in your employees. It provides a breakdown of Bloom's taxonomy and then includes some examples of skills at each level, along with some sample learning objectives and different types of learning activities you can use to achieve those objectives. The biggest challenge when designing training is really at the very beginning when you're establishing your learning objectives they need to be really specific and they need to be able to answer the question, what should they be able to do? So Bloom's taxonomy helps with that because it includes action words you can use to answer that question. So for example, at level one knowledge, your employees need to be able to do things like remember, identify, and recall information. But at level five, which is synthesis, they need to be able to do things like create, design, or develop original work. So for me, it's a really helpful tool to get that process going.
0: For years, there's been a focus on the skills gap and the lack of available skilled labor. How do you feel that a more robust internal training program can address that skills gap, but also aid in employee retention?
2: I think there's a lot of great talent out there who are eager and willing to come into our industry and do the work. And one of the key messages that we talked about in the GATA MBA program earlier this year was the idea of hiring the right person, not the right resume. So I think we have an opportunity to be a bit more open in our recruiting process and try to bring in people from outside the industry. And if we invest in training to teach them the skills they need, they can excel in their new position. And if we have training programs in place for key roles like drivers, plant operators, warehouse associates, and sales personnel, it allows us to focus more on hiring for culture fit and natural ability, and then we can teach them the rest.
0: Is there anywhere that you've seen common areas where training programs tend to fall short? What can GATA members do to internally bolster their training programs, and how will that help to grow their business?
2: Yeah, I think the first thing is investing in formal new hire training programs, if at all possible, can yield a significant return for the business because you're creating a consistent message, a process that's repeatable and measurable, and you're putting less pressure and more confidence in the individuals who are responsible for delivering the training. You're also creating a much higher quality experience for new employees, which helps them ramp up more quickly and can significantly reduce turnover, especially in the first 90 days. The other thing that I think is really important, regardless of whether you have formal training programs in place or not, is getting the feedback loop going early and often. I brought this up in my presentation at the Goda Seven Springs Regional Meeting. Most learning happens through the feedback process. So if you're in a position where you're training people, I encourage you to give a lot of feedback. Reinforcing feedback explains why they're doing something right, and this is just as important as corrective feedback, which explains why they're doing something wrong, or how they can improve. I also encourage you to ask for feedback. Even just doing a temperature check from time to time will give you insight into how your trainees are feeling, and you can adjust your approach accordingly.
0: You were recently recognized as the New Committee Member of the Year by CGA for your work on the Young and Emerging Professionals Committee. Can you discuss that work and why that's an area that you're so passionate about?
2: Yeah, Steve. I came into the industry in 2019 very shortly before the CGA Young and Emerging Professionals Committee was formed, and I was really excited to join the committee and get involved as a newcomer to learn more about the technical aspects of the industry. And since I obviously don't have much technical expertise, I wanted to explore opportunities within CGA to bring the expertise I do have in training and talent development to the association and its members. And what I quickly realized was that I absolutely could do that. I'm currently chairing the leadership and professional development task force for the YEP committee. And I'm also contributing to the technical education task force where we've been actively preparing for the YEP summit, which actually starts today. I'm also using my expertise on technical committees to contribute to things like writing safety posters, designing the new CGA handbook, and developing a new hydrogen safety education plan. Ultimately, I think that when you're volunteering your time, you can and should contribute anything you have to offer. And you shouldn't feel like you can't make a difference because clearly you can. And I think that's why I'm eager to encourage people to get involved with the YEP committee. It's a great way to get your feet wet and learn about how committees work. You can find an area where you can use your talents and then dig in. It's important for people who are coming into the industry to get involved in industry organizations like CGA and GADA, so you can not only capture the tribal knowledge that's out there, but also influence the future direction of the industry.
0: Your career has been spent in training. Roberts is one of the largest independents in Ghana, but a lot of GATA members fall more into the mom and pop 10 employee size. How broadly applicable is the information that you've laid out today to a smaller company?
2: Yeah, Steve, I would say that it's absolutely something that you can incorporate into your training, even if you don't have formal training programs. You can use these tools just to plan for a coaching session or a one-on-one meeting with an employee to give them feedback or help develop their skills.
0: Is there anything else that we didn't already cover today that you wanted to mention before we go?
2: Yeah, I thought it would be nice to bring this conversation full circle and reinforce my belief that getting involved, whether it's watching this interview, attending GATA events, participating in the YEP summit, or working on developing CGA safety standards, these things are absolutely worth my time and they're worth your time, because participating in these types of activities is exactly what helps develop those higher level capabilities that maximize employee potential.
0: Robin, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it.
2: Being active for more than 70 years, always following the original mission. Wherever gas is the integral part and provides energy for everyday life, there will be the technological and productive commitment from Cavania Group.
0: We're lucky enough to be joined next today by Greg Doria. Greg is a Senior Vice President at Lincoln Electric and the President of Harris Products Group. Greg, we appreciate you being with us today. You recently gave a presentation about intentional leadership, which has got a President Robert Anders theme for his year as President. For those people who weren't able to attend, can you give us an overview of what you discussed?
1: I really wanted to, you know, as part of the theme this year with God, I think it's a it's a it's a great topic overall for for us to discuss as an industry uh, intentional leadership. But I really wanted to focus on the strategic portion of it. Um, a key component to being intentional about your leadership, to be deliberate about what you're doing, having a plan, being able to communicate it, is your strategy. Um, strategy is key to being intentional as a leader, leader because that's really how you're communicating direction to your organization and your team overall. So. I thought it would be a great topic to cover and a little bit more nuanced than some of the talks that we've heard from uh, um, then kind of generally on intentional leadership.
0: You took over as president of Harris about two years ago for Dave Nangle, who had been the president for more than 20 years. And on top of that, you took over at the height of COVID. Can you discuss some of the first steps that you took to be a strategic leader in that particular moment?
1: I've been fortunate enough to to have a lot of um uh, great mentors and leaders and and teachers in strategy in my career um you know so I've I've had that experience and and I've and I've moved around and changed jobs within Lincoln Electric uh, quite a bit so which has kind of forced me into thinking about each role from a strategic perspective in terms of how you can make that impact and provide that guidance to the organization so um here at Harris in particular you know uh, dave was was uh, retiring post Covid, and we just completed an acquisition. And so it was a completely different business um, than uh, than you know essentially from the day that Dave left. And so we had to build a strategy around a team in terms of what the organization was going to be, and then what were the key things that we were going to focus on in terms of what choices were we going to make? Who were we going to be as an organization? Where were we going to compete? Um, and how are we going to serve our customers and which customers uh, where we're we going to focus on and serve overall in terms of and with what products and what solutions. And so I, I, it's been an interesting experience in terms of trying to develop that. And uh, I, I really like the path that we're on, but it's a great exercise um, in terms of as you're transitioning in, sometimes you're taking over for a leader who's been there a long time, has a lot, added a lot of value to the organization. And we see that even within the GATA members in terms of independent distributors in family businesses, the next generation taking over. And you want to be able to hold on to the core values of the organization that your predecessors brought in, but build a strategic vision by giving that new vision a, that new objective or new idea of the future um, in terms of where you can take it based on the new externalities and the new leadership and the new, new workforce and generation and culture that's coming up within within the organization so hanging on to those core values from your predecessors while um, developing that vision for the future creates your overall strategic vision i think it's uh it's a challenge that we all face uh, in in this industry and others
0: you'd mentioned during your presentation that you learn from your mentors but you can't be a carbon copy of those mentors can you discuss some of the ways that harris has changed in the two years since you've become the president
1: with within harris organizationally we've changed quite a bit and so our leadership team has been uh, been changed completely in terms of how we're structured, um, in terms of how we've built the business organizationally. We've kind of separated into separate business units so that we can get the decision-making closer to the customer. And for me, that's key in terms of the strategy, especially as you grow as a business that um, the kind of old st- older style command and control um, doesn't work as well in today's environment. And you want to be able to enable your your team to make decisions quickly and close to the customer and so if you build a structure that allows your leadership and your commercial leadership and your operational leadership to do that um, then the customer is going to be much happier because they get those decisions uh, much more quickly as opposed to you as a leader trying to interject all the time but to do that you have to give uh, those key principles to guide the organization, and so that's one of the things that uh, that I've been really focused in the last um, uh, you know ten to twelve months, and really building this these principles, these core principles to our organization, so that everyone's clear about what they need to do in terms of the objective, how they do it, how they get there, the decisions they make, those are theirs. They own those decisions. Um, so it's been an exciting uh, process to see some of those changes and how we develop it across uh, across the organization.
0: Everybody talks about the concept of hitting the ground running. From a strategic standpoint, you discussed how, before you come up with a strategy, you need to figure out not only who your company is, but who you are as a leader. Can you discuss that idea a little bit?
1: Yeah, it was, it was more about, um, you know, strategy is about making choices. It was a f- very famous phrase from Michael Porter, Uh, back in, I think it was 1996, when he published, What is Strategy? And it's used throughout organizations today. But he said, the essence of strategy is about choice. And what he meant by that is, uh, what trade offs are you going to make? So the very first choice you need to make is who are you going to be? Because you can't be everything to everybody. And that's true as a leader, but that's true as an organization in terms of who you're going to be means, where are you going to compete? what markets. And uh, and what customers do you want to compete in? And geographically, where do you want to compete? What services and, and products do you want to offer in terms of what you're going to compete? And really, you got to look for those areas that you're going to add value to the world, to your customer, to your employees. And that really defines who you're going to be. And that's really your first choice. And that first choice is, it starts right away from, from making those trade-offs and making those choices. And then from there, it cascades into... Building those principles and some of those other key elements I discussed about strategy.
0: Are there any common missteps that you see leaders, especially new leaders, make when they step into these new positions?
1: It's a great question, and um, uh, I, I am—I guess I'm—I'm I'm unashamed to say that I probably have made thousands of mistakes myself. And I think it's par for the course when you become a leader. Is you have to be vulnerable enough. Um, to allow yourself and forgiving enough of yourself and uh, those around you who are part of your core team to make some of those mistakes. Cause that's how you learn. Right. And it's about moving forward from, from some of those things and what you take from it overall. But I think if you um, if you try to develop process and build trust, and again, I'll use that word again, vulnerability in your team. Um, so that they get to know you as a person and you get to know them as a person, not just as a, as a leader or, uh, or a colleague or a peer, um, it helps. It helps a lot because um, then there's a lot of trust in terms of being able to question or control or, or um, check each other. And you need that level of trust and you need people that can check you in your organization um, as opposed to trying to uh, to be the boss, right? And you never want to be the boss because then people won't be as honest with you um, in your organization. So I think that uh, for a new leader figuring out how to uh, direct a larger organization, you know, you're not managing it. You're trying to lead it. And by doing that, you got to step back, step away, whereas uh, a lot of newer leaders want to get in and dive in and be tactical about things. I myself <laughs> wanted to do that a lot and still sometimes fall into that and uh uh, because we're all human and that's kind of our tendency is uh, as a lot of a type personalities would do as, as leaders of organizations um so i think being conscious of that being vulnerable and building that trust and and letting go is critical to uh to developing as a leader
0: is there anything else on this topic that you wanted to leave viewers with before we go today?
1: I think overall from a, from a leadership standpoint, I just encourage everyone to continue to rely on peer groups like GATA. I'm members of of other uh, peer groups. There's a Manufacturers Alliance I'm part of and others. And I think there's a lot of value and learning that you get from others in your industry. And, um, you know, Abadie talks about this from Butler Gas, talks about all the time how the value we get from organizations like CGA and GATA and so on. And I think those are those are critical to growing as a leader and learning as a leader and getting for the resources. On the Harris side, we continue to uh, to expand overall, um, and we're really excited about the future, especially when it comes to uh, gas equipment and specialty gas equipment. Um, we uh, we have a, a, an incredible new leader, Kim Elliott, in that space, and uh, she's really driving new product development and uh, operational excellence and. Uh, we're excited about some of the new products that are coming out uh, across the the field on the gas equipment side uh, while maintaining and, and growing our brazing side of our business as well. So uh, we're excited about the future. Good things happening and uh, looking forward to the uh, GATA National this year as well and seeing everybody there. So, Greg, we appreciate you being with us today.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Holbard Institute of Welding
0: Technology is excited to offer a four-day welding for the non-welder course. This course gives the non-welder a solid background and overview of the welding field, along with some hands-on experience with the major welding processes. It's ideal for purchasing agents, plant managers, manufacturers of welding products, distributor salespeople, supervisors, and more to gain an understanding of welding that will make them more proficient in a job that involves welding-related activities. Check out our website today for more information, or give us a call at 937-332-9500. Finally, we're joined today by Indiana Oxygen CEO Jay Brandt and Senior Executive Vice President and Corporate Counsel Ann Brandt-Hayes. Jay and Ann, thank you for being with us today. Can you discuss what it was like to grow up in the business and tell us some of your favorite memories?
3: Well, I think uh, one of the things that probably all of the um, kids can relate to is probably working your way up through the business uh, and having those odd summer jobs. I matched picking tickets uh, in high school. I'd come in after school let out and do that for a couple of hours and Jay did a, a bunch of things, I think.
4: Mhm. Yeah, uh, what, summer jobs, painting cylinders, I think everyone shares that. Um, I also remember attending some of the industry meetings which was always a highlight of you know the year, especially if you ended up in Hawaii or More fun. Still to this day, the only time I've been to Hawaii, so uh,
0: yeah, good memories. Do you remember the first thing that you did in the business and when that was? Washing customers' cars, sixth grade. I think.
3: And I think I was a junior in high school and it was working in AP matching up paperwork.
0: You mentioned having to work your way up through the company. Did you ever have a least favorite job? Washing customers'
3: cars. (laughs) (laughs) Great.
4: <laughs> um, Probably being locked in the filing room for a summer ripping papers. I never. We didn't have any windows. It was dusty. Yeah. Was
3: I, I. Yeah. I would say those summer catch up jobs of, of catching up on people's old filing and you know matching and um, clearing out old you know paperwork that needed to be recycled and, and shredded. Those were. I, I agree. Yeah. yeah.
0: Was there any point growing up where you thought that you wouldn't end up at ILC or that this wasn't for you?
3: Yeah, I think, um, I felt that for a long time. Um, so I was, uh, had a previous career as an attorney and didn't really liked my job and liked my firm, liked the people I worked with and liked what I was doing. Uh, and then Dave Kaplan, who was our, our C- CFO at the time came to talk to me and sort of laid out his timeline for uh, his retirement and gave me a, a deadline for, um, as he put it, when the train was leaving the station. And so I had a couple of months to just really think about it. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that it was it was where I wanted to be. So I made the switch when the time came, and it was the best decision I'd ever made.
4: I actually haven't had that moment. Um, I, I, I don't know why, honestly, because I, I don't... I also don't remember a moment where it was like, that's what I want to do. It just, it was always kind of the plan. Not not planned for me necessarily, but, uh, you know, I saw him going to work and how passionate he was about business and um, I, I, whether or not it was, you know, Uh, An actual thought in my mind or just kind of subconscious it was this idea that I see what he's doing. He definitely loves it. Uh, Unlike Anne, I didn't have any aspirations to be a lawyer, a doctor, or something specific um, like that. And it seemed like a great opportunity.
0: So, no, I haven't had that moment. Do you have any relationships with other family businesses within GADA that you're able to confide in or bounce ideas off of?
3: Um, well, so we're members um, of a, an information sharing group, the big group, um, and I would say that they have been such a key resource, I think, for both Jay and I, um, mentors, uh, you know, other um, family members, you know, family businesses, asking, being able to ask them questions knowing that they have gone through similar challenges or faced similar issues, um, and they're always a, Really good source of advice um, and best practices, and it's really been nice having them as a resource uh, and as friends too.
4: Yeah, that, that's my answer. I mean, we have this fantastic group of families and businesses uh, who are all really good at what they do. Um, you know, a few that come to mind uh, generally are the Armstrongs, the Butler family. You know, um, we've all had conversations uh, from time to time you know, outside of the meeting room. Um, but I think at one point or another, probably
0: everybody in that group has, has had those conversations, so it's pretty special. Is there anything particular about Wally that you hope that you can emulate in your leadership roles? I'll go back to the passion piece. Um, he, he cares so much for
4: the company and, and the people uh, uh, in the company. Um, I, I don't see how you can go wrong if... You know if we're able to to have some of that or share that uh, the other thing I, I would mention is I think he's done a fantastic job of building a team he's, he's I think that's one of his talents in, in judgment of character and getting the right people and just having a knack for that um, it's I think that's been important to getting us to where we are today
3: yeah I think he said yeah I think he said that perfectly um, I think he's a I think his personality is a big part of the culture of Indiana Oxygen um, and the reason that we have such a strong company. Um, So I think if either of us could continue that on and facilitate as strong of a culture as he has, then that'll be a success.
0: Growing up, do you remember the dynamic between your grandfather and Wally when that transition was taking place? And do you see any similarities in the current transition?
3: Well, you know, from what I remember, um, it, you know, as we make this transition, um, our grandfather was always in the office, but he was—he was almost like, like the chief, you know, people officer. I mean, he wanted to talk to employees. He, um, one, you know, really liked, you know, the customer aspect. And I think, you know, as my dad transitions to being chairman of the board, I see a lot of that similar passion and excitement for making sure that he's connected to the employees that he's connected to the customers and that he makes everybody feel you know valuable um and so I think more and more I start to see sort of that those similarities
4: yeah I I think um I, I actually don't remember anything with my grandfather I don't remember him here I don't excuse me I don't remember hearing him speak about the business. I always knew they worked together. They had, you know, desks in the same office. He was always there. I don't remember him talking about the business, and um, I'm assuming that that's because, you know, at that time he'd been president and CEO for for years and it kind of found his way with things. But um, we're, we're new to this transition. We're all still kind of figuring it out, but. One thing that, has, that I've appreciated is, and I don't know that I would be able to do this myself, but his ability to allow us to kind of run with it and being there, um, you know, ready to give help, give advice, but not necessarily just stepping in and constantly throwing advice uh, our way. And I, I think my
0: grandpa had a really gentle way about him, so I'm assuming those two are connected. Looking down the road to the next succession, what would you say success would look like in that
3: time? You know, our company is on on the cusp of some really exciting things um, from a growth standpoint, from a people standpoint. We have some pretty audacious goals that feel very attainable um, that I think probably six or seven years ago wouldn't have felt so attainable. And so I think, you know, looking back in 25 years, if we can say that we accomplished our goals while keeping the culture that my dad has built, then that's a success.
4: Yeah, I I don't think I can answer that better. I mean, uh, the spirit, the culture that he's helped create and the core values that are part of that, um, as long as we're doing business uh, and
0: have helped, you know, have let those guide us, I think that's success. What's your favorite part about coming to work every day at Indiana Oxygen?
3: I'd say each day's different. Um, you know, everybody has those tasks that they have to accomplish each day, but there's always a, a curveball thrown or a, a new problem or a new opportunity, uh, so it keeps it exciting and fresh. I don't. I know a little bit of what tomorrow's gonna be like, but I don't know everything, um, and that's really fun.
4: I, I think, um, I mean, at this point, it would be hard to go work for somebody. Um, we, we get the opportunity to, uh, it's always been fun working you know with, with our dad. Um, and now it's definitely in a different capacity. Um, it's been fun just in the last two months. You know I think Ann and I kind of view the business a little different just with, with the transition and maybe a heightened level of responsibility. So it's, I, I'm actually working more with my dad than I have. So that's great, but Ann and I, I think, are are, are also working more mm-hmm. together, and luckily, luckily, I, we don't have the issues. We <laughs> <It's, laughs> play nice, um, but no, I think just, you know, having the ability to come,
0: work with family, uh, is pretty special. For other Goda members who are beginning a succession process, do you have any advice that you can share? I can offer
4: advice, but you also have to recognize that these things can be. Messy, and uh, there's a lot of opportunity to get them wrong. <laughs> um, I think the only way that you can avoid that is to have conversations and be honest with each other as early as you're able to as a as a family. Like, like that may not be able to start on day one, uh, and for us, quite frankly, you know, I think it, it took a while, but but that's fine too. Um, at some point, the the ability for everyone to share their aspirations and, you know, personal dreams uh, for their career in the company—that has to be on the table. But, but yeah, we—I think we are fortunate enough that we all kind of have a similar vision for what the company could be and and um, similar goals. And
3: I, I think my dad s- saw. How it could go wrong, and and um, really thought about a, um, succession a long time ago, and and started putting the framework in place so that when the time came, we would sort of almost have an operating manual. Um, and it, and that's not to say that everything you can plan for any circumstance or any curveball that can get thrown your way, uh, but the fact that he knew that it was something that needed to have thought and needed time to construct sort of a road map I think is key. I think maybe that doesn't happen a lot. Um, that you, it can be painful and so maybe you don't think about it until you really need to and then you're kind of scrambling. Um, I also think that another important aspect would be to not shy away from conversations that may be difficult or emotional um, because a lot of times the company and the, um, you know, president, CEO are very intertwined um, identity-wise. And so making that transition can be difficult. And it, it's important to, to power through and, and to make sure that everybody is having an open, honest conversation, even if there's the potential for hurt feelings or, or tackling difficult subjects, because it is a difficult subject. And I think we've done that really well.
0: With other family businesses, people have stressed the importance of keeping the family and the business separate so that you aren't bringing family issues to the office or office issues to the Thanksgiving table. Can you expand on that idea?
3: I mean I think it's I think it's good in practice and I think in an ideal world that's what you would do. Um, I think realistically it's very hard, um, especially when you know, you, especially, you know, with my dad and, and Jay and I, if you're passionate about it and you love it, it's naturally something that you're going to talk about. Um, and sometimes honestly, you know, on Sunday evening when we're all sitting around, maybe the only time that we can have some quick conversations about some issues that have popped up or, 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 uh, some topics that we want to discuss. So I think that there's, I I think more than keeping a wall, I think it's all about balance.
0: Jane Ann, we appreciate you being with us today. Good luck in your new roles. GAUTA Media is the go-to resource for news and information about the gases and welding industry. Through our wide variety of publication platforms, Goda Media keeps our members up to date on all of the most breaking news, emerging trends, and member events in the industry. Want to get your company's message seen? We have a quarterly print publication, a twice-monthly newsletter, an online buyer's guide, and a twice-monthly news show. If it's happening at of Welding, it's happening on Gotha Media. Want to learn more? Contact your Gauda Media representative
5: today. Hi, this is Colleen Kohler from the Member Services Committee here at Gauda, and I'm here with Alicia Coates from Abacor Benzel. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about your organization and your role there? Um, so, Abacor Benzel, we're a welding equipment manufacturer. We are a German company, but we're based out of Frederick, Maryland. So that's where I work, our North America headquarters are in Frederick, Maryland. Um, I'm a marketing specialist there, so advertising, social media, um, publisher ads, anything that really falls under that umbrella, we take care of for the North American market. Great, so Abacore has been a member of GATA for some time, but you are a new member within abacore coming to GATA. So can you share with us what you were looking forward to coming to the event today? Yeah, so I just recently started with Abacore back in August. So I'm fairly new to this industry. Um, so I was just really looking forward to getting to meet so many new faces, um, especially get to connect with the women in the welding world as well too. Um, that's just a great con- connection um, and a great resource that you all provide. So you attended the Women of Gases and Welding Committee meeting today. Can you share a takeaway that you got from that meeting today? That was really nice because it was a smaller scale of networking. So you really got to have those more intimate conversations with people and connect on a higher level too. So um, it was a great resource. and. I don't really know anyone. So that was really nice to be a part of. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alicia. We really appreciate it. And welcome to the association.
0: Today's member news segment is brought to you by Anthony Welded Products. With carts, cradles, cages, and pallets, Anthony has a model for every purpose. The third quarter issue of Welding Gasses Today is online now and should hit desks shortly. The Q3 issue is our annual anniversary issue and features profiles of Goda members celebrating milestone anniversaries in 2023. To read the online version of the issue, click the link in the description below. The Women of Guests and Welding Committee announced that its Summer Virtual Roundtable event will take place on August 23rd at noon Eastern. To register for the event, click the link in the description below. Lincoln Electric announced that Chris Mapes will retire on December 31st of this year and will be succeeded as President and CEO by Stephen Headland. Norco opened a new branch in Burleigh, Idaho. Vern Lewis welcomed Hugo Nobre and Steve Safford to its team. Butler Gas welcomed Heather Camilli as its new corporate controller and Liam Scardinia fowler as its new sales associate for its Morgantown location. Safety Cart debuted its new major office renovations. Cryogenic Technology Resources announced TJ Rourke's promotion to Facilities Production Manager. Cryoworks Inc. was awarded the ISO 9001-2015 certification. The Messer Distributor Group announced its Vendor of the Year awards. To see a full list of the winners, click the link in the description below. AWISCO announced that Kelvin then has been appointed its Bronx branch leader. The IWDC promoted Tim Springer to CFO. All Safe Global acquired Sky Cylinder Testing. And finally, Floramics announced that it's moving to a new address at 520 East Countryside Circle, Lewiston, Minnesota, 55952. The company's phone and email will remain the same, but it will be retiring the use of its fax number. To learn more about any of these member news items, or to submit member news of your own, read the full August 15th Ghana Connection in your email inbox today, or by clicking the link in the description below. And that's our show for this month. The Northeast Regional Meeting runs today and tomorrow, and then we will be through the Regional Meeting slate for 2023. To see photo galleries from each of the meetings, visit godamedia.com or click the link in the description below. Thank you to all who attended a
2: regional meeting this year. For all of us here at Gautam this is Steve Guillermo signing off.